This is Thrash It Out. I'm Brian Latendry. And I'm Anton Johnston, and this is Backstage Pass, a special episode where we chat to one of our Patreon supporters about their path through metal and about an album that is special to them. Today's guest is uh, Dan Summers, who many of you will probably know better uh, through his uh, online alias of Frozen Summers. So say hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, all right, so Dan, tell us... Tell us about yourself. You, I know that you're a long-time listener to the show, so tell us a bit about yourself uh, and how and when you got into metal. Well, there's a lot about me. We could, I can talk for hours about myself. I probably do. It's probably <laughs> what I do on the internet a lot. Um, so I'm from Australia. That might be obvious from my accent, but possibly not because many people in Australia where I live have asked me if I'm from a, a USA or Canada. Oh, really? Despite never tra- <laughs> Despite never traveling outside the country, <laughs> for a while it was just an ongoing joke when people would ask me this. Um, so when we talk about getting into metal, I'm in Australia, so there is the background noise of ACDC constantly um, around. So there was never not hard rock music around mm-hmm. me. And in Australia, prog rock didn't really happen, so punk didn't really happen. And sort of just like that 70s pub rock just continued to now almost. <laughs> So there was always sort of hard rock around and, you know, particularly ACDC, but, you know, also Midnight Oil, um, The Angels, lots of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I was never super into music until later in my life. I had a bit where I was, but then I kind of fell away from it, got interested in video games and the Internet. Um, It wasn't until specifically January 1998, I was in the Scouts um, and we had the Australian jamboree where all the scouts from around the country come together and the guys i were hanging out with from you know my local troop one of them had brought along a walkman although it wasn't a walkman it was like a tiac brand one whatever that actually called uh, it a walkman um, knockoff like yeah <laughs> yeah and walk, walkman knockoff and a couple of little speakers that you could plug in instead of headphones and he had tapes of all of his older brother's metallica albums <laughs> So we basically, instead of actually doing activities, if we didn't want to do the activity, we would just find a place to sit around and just listen to Metallica a lot. So we did this for like 10 days straight. This was an interesting jamboree because they basically, it wasn't held at a campground. It was held in basically a new suburb on the edge outskirts of Brisbane that they would basically just bulldozed the forest for. So it was just a dust pile, except for when it inevitably rained, which <laughs> became a mud pile. Um, they were also testing uh, technology that they were potentially going to use um, in terms of using smart cards for payment at the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. So all the vending machines and all the food payment and everything was done using rechargeable smart cards. Now, obviously, so we basically were listening to Metallica and trying to work out a way to trick these smart card systems. Of course. Now, it wasn't us. It was actually <laughs> a friend of mine from a different group who worked out if you put the the card into the vending machine, hit the the button to get a Coke and pulled the card out at the same time, it didn't notice that the card wasn't there anymore. And Ah. it would deduct. And yeah, so he came running up and said, bring bags, we're getting all the Coke. (laughs) (laughs) So now you're talking, you know, talking, you know, 14, 50-year-old kids just on unlimited sugar. We obviously, everyone obviously (laughs) all got to Metallica. This is to Metallica. (laughs) What also was going on, there was actually a radio station for the Jamboree that was playing songs over on, you know, 
87.8 or whatever, you know, not interfering with any actual radio stations. And so anytime we were free, we had a piece, we'd have piece of papers up against the window saying, play the new Metallica song because it was 1998. A new Metallica album had just come out. And we wanted to hear the new Metallica uh, album. Yeah, yeah. It took a few, it took about, a, it was about halfway through where he finally relented and played Fuel and we were super excited. So obviously I came back from that and I bought my first CD and it was Reload by Metallica. <laughs> wow, was that 98? Yes. Good Lord. It's, wow. I, think, I, think, I, I think it came out in 97 elsewhere. It came out in 98 in right, Australia because right. it was released times in the 90s. Yeah, then I bought an Entrance yeah. album because uh, Entrance were cool. <laughs> I don't even but know before, who that is. Uh, they were like a... They did like they did a they did a bunch of like sort of remixes, rap remix stuff. Uh, they did a "Do You Think I'm Sexy," um, "Staying Alive." Oh wow! Uh, Paradise City. They were huge in Australia. I don't know if they were huge anywhere else. They were like huge, like <laughs> charting band. And from then on, obviously, it was the late '90s. So while digging back into the back catalogue of Metallica and then Megadeth and Slayer and Anthrax and then digging into their influences, your Black Sabbaths and Deep Purples and Led Zeppelins. I was also into the contemporary stuff, which meant Korn and Limp Bizkit and all the new metal that came along with that. Um, yeah, because that would have been just and, hitting its stride around then as well, yeah. Yes. Yep. And so going along from there, having all, all this going on, but also digging into other music. Um, also, at this time, bought a guitar, taught myself to play guitar, wanted to be Scott Ian, because riffs. <laughs> um, well, well, at least you said Scott Ian and not Angus Young. I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I understand, you know, I, uh, being Angus well, Young would have been cool, but I didn't want to wear a schoolboy outfit anymore, because <laughs> I've been doing that. I, you know, I, in Australia, we all, we wear school uniforms all the time. Yeah, so yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, I could not do that. I don't want to do that part of it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, in 2001, it was my first year at university. Um, I'd been, despite all of this, I was the fat, depressed, nerdy kid. Um, and in 2001, I ended up at uni. Pretty Girl said, hey, come to a thing. And after coming to a thing a few times, I got kind of a little evangelical Christian-y, which obviously changed my music listening a little bit. Wow, I listened yeah. to less Slayer, more Christian rock. Um, <laughs> and obviously being a guitarist who also played bass, lots of Christians play guitar, hardly any play bass. So I was playing a lot of bass in various things and at churches and events and stuff. So that went on for a while. And, you know, there are actually... Did you actually get into Striper at all during that time? I listened to them a little bit, but not super. I was more into, like, Tourniquet, um, uh -huh. King's X, because King's X, we could for were straddling sure. that line. Um, but I was still listening to, like, mainstream metal. It was just like, yeah, let's not... Anything that's overly satanic, I wouldn't listen to, or at least wouldn't tell anyone I listened to. Yeah, um, right. But, but know, stuff Metallica like Metallica and Megadeth was fine, yeah. Yeah, and at, at that time, Megadeth, this was early 2000s megadeth was starting to you know dave was starting to be more out about being christian yep. so it was like yeah no megadeth's fine they're cool <laughs> they're christian metal. <laughs> they don't play the conjuring in concert anymore he's changed yeah no five magics that's <laughs> exactly right um and at some point i got over that um and first thing i did was went and bought a bought the cradle of filth best of 
Because <laughs> it was the band that I'd wanted to get into, but hadn't. I heard couldn't. their stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, That's awesome. So in Australia, we didn't have MTV for a long while. We had this channel called Channel V, V for videos, and they played music on Monday nights. They had their equivalent of Headbangers Ball, which was just we're going to show an hour or two hours because they changed the name and the length various times of just metal videos. And they were they would dust in at like one or two like current new metal things to keep the kids happy, but they would mostly play like old school stuff. They would usually every other week they would do like the Seasons of the Abyss video for Slayer, but they would always play a Slayer video. Mm -hmm. um, Her Ghost in the Fog by Cradle of Filth was on most weeks. Um, for Metallica videos, they wouldn't play the any Metallica videos. They just had obviously whoever was programming it had got a copy of live shit binge and purge and would just play videos off that. <laughs> so yeah, we'll play a Metallica video. Yeah. We'll play this live video of whiplash where it's, you know, super thrashy and, you know, not the Metallica <laughs> that's around right now. So that access, you know, gave me access to a bunch of stuff and yeah, just being on the internet following, you know, guitar websites and metal websites, um, you know, got access to a bunch of stuff. So do you still, pl do you still play? I still do, but I'm not like doing anything much actively now. Um, I did, you know, at university, I started with a computing degree, but by the time I'd graduated, because I'd done enough like Christian units, essentially in like early Christian literature and ancient Greek, but also music units. I ended up with a bachelor of arts in computing, which is possibly the most useless degree that exists. I'm not, I didn't even realize that that was possible. <laughs> yeah, no, at, at my graduation, there was people who I'd studied with who didn't realize that was possible. <laughs> um, and then I went on, I did some post-grad in music production, which is why I have a very fancy microphone and ah, a fancy right, right. audio interface. And, but this was, yeah, that was what, 2007, 2008, at which point I was like, oh yeah, no, music's not an industry anymore, unless you're... Beyonce, right? Yeah, or Metallica, and so now I do what I do, which is I work at a liquor store, and yeah. So listen to music. So what sort of <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. What sort of metal did you sort of settle on uh, after all of that? I mean, do you still listen to like a broad range, or did you get into one style particularly? I still think I listen to a broad range. I never really got into into the extreme stuff, mm -hmm. like anything with really guttural <laughs> vocals. I'm not super into like the heaviest stuff I listen to. I'm just going to pause because I live under a flat path and there's a very loud plane and I don't know if you guys can hear it. <laughs> hey, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. <laughs> no, I can't really hear it. Yeah. Yeah. SM58. It's really good at that. Um, you know, like the heaviest stuff I listen to is Cradle of Filth or Opeth or Arch Enemy. That's fairly or, heavy. I mean, yeah, it's okay. Heavy. It's not Burzum, but it's still pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, like there was friends at uni who I drifted away from when I became Christian who, yeah, they listened to all that extreme <laughs> stuff. You know, they were searching for on eBay for rare albums from Judas Iscariot and stuff. And I'm right, like, right. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> but I listen to metal. Um, listening to the first, to the was trying to find the first Mayhem album and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, like, oh, go on. So, like, I, I definitely drifted into prog metal because there was a lot going on. Very interesting, you know, Dream Theater for, at one point were my favorite band, 
Um, you know, obviously Devon Townsend, huge for me. So I, I definitely tend that way, but I still listen to a lot of different stuff. Um, you know, you know, I can talk about all this, but I had friends all through this who are huge into pop punk and ska, and that right. is also in there. I still listen to, you know, whatever drifts across me. I can't get into Billie Eilish, um, despite trying multiple times, but I do like Poppy and, you know, Sir Baby Girl. I listen to a lot of different music, but in terms of metal, I'm pretty varied although if you were to look at what i listen to reg like more than once i it's sort of more of the thrashy or stonery doomy stuff or proggy stuff you right. know the, the sword has become one of my favorite bands who are sort of like what if metallica were a bit more stonery mm-hmm. and <laughs> well, that's cool i think i mean you know we've said many times on the show i think that's healthy to listen to a, yeah. a wide range of not just metal, but of other music as well, you know? Um, yeah. I think the days of, and certainly, I mean, it sounds like uh, Brian and I are a little bit older than than you, and certainly when I grew up, there was a period where if you were into metal, it was expected that you didn't listen to anything but metal. Um, and thankfully, I think those days are long gone. I think, you know, I think it's perfectly possible to be, a, you know, a quite dedicated metalhead and still be okay with saying, but I also listen to other stuff. You know, I do listen to yeah. pop music occasionally or, you know, old-fashioned prog or whatever. It's fine. Well, and for me, that- like, being a child of MTV, it it was absolutely, that's just part of who I am. Like, I'm a huge fan of Duran Duran and Cyndi Lauper and, you know, like, the whole early 80s MTV scene was you would have you know, uh, a video from John Cougar Mellencamp, and then you'd have a video from The Cars, and then you'd have a video from Motley Crue, and then you'd have a video, like, it would just, there was so much of that uh, mainstream rock being the connection between pop and, you know, punk and hair metal and stuff like that. And so for me, like, growing up on MTV, all of that was part of the same listening experience, and it just became part of what was music for me, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it even used to be um, a section in the record store. I mean, you know, <laughs> what's a record store? Um, but there used to be a pop. I, I, will, I will point out here in Australia, we still do have a big established chain of record stores called JB Hi-Fi. Oh, and, it, and it's still do. viable. Wow. Well, they still have the records, the record section, and it's as big as it's always been, but it's some of the stores now sell fridges, and they've always sold TVs and computers yeah. and headphones right, and phones right. and but they still do have a record section and it is still broken up into the traditional genres as it always has been. It's and just, do they no, have a, pop, else. do they have a pop slash rock section? Yeah. That's yeah, the one I was thinking of. Rock, yeah. Country, yeah. metal, punk, soundtracks, you know, uh, comedy. It's, it's exactly like you could walk into that store and if it wasn't for the fact that there's iPhones and flat screen TVs, you'd think that you're in the store in the eighties. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome it is um i just wanted to you mentioned the walkman speakers uh yeah <laughs> man those things were great i remember going on a backpacking holiday with a, a friend of mine another musician actually a guy i was in a band with for a while uh we went like on a backpacking holiday around wales and you know we were backpacking walking so it's kind of really take light essentials only but we still took a stack of tapes of Walkman and those fucking speakers, which weighed a f- 
ton when yep. you put the batteries in them. And we were I like, had the, no, uh, these I had are the essential. Sport. <laughs> I had the yellow sport Walkman that was supposed to be like splash proof. Oh, it yeah, wasn't yeah. actually waterproof, but I had that. And then I had a pair of matching yellow speakers that plugged into it mm. that were like, that were like little bricks. <laughs> that you, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they sounded obviously, you know, at how you would expect Walkman speakers to sound, you know, at that particular time. But yeah, I brought them everywhere. Yeah. I mean the the, uh, the stuff we what we were listening to at the time, especially on. I remember mostly listening to Testament on that holiday <laughs> on these tinny yeah. little Walkman. Now Testament's early albums, the production's pretty tinny anyway. And then you put them through Walkman speakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I think yeah, that was well, it, where I first heard one as well. Actually, come to think of it. Listening through those speakers, you don't notice the bass is missing on Injustice for All. That's what I was just thinking. I'm pretty sure that's where I first heard Injustice for All. Because I remember keeling over laughing at the snare sound on a campsite in Wales. Because <laughs> I don't think I'd heard it before. And yeah, listening to it through those speakers was even even worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, right, next... The, there's, the standard questions that we uh, that we've sort of developed on this website. When did you first start listening to Thrash It Out? Because you, like I say, you've been listening for a long time, haven't you? Uh, I technically started listening when there was the episode of Unjust Me on My Mind. So I guess the pilot episode. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, the right. secret, the backdoor pilot yeah. that picked up for series. Yeah, yeah, because I'm an old school, incomparable listener. Right, and so. And Justin Malone started, I'm like, oh, this is all the stuff I like, and people are having to defend it. Why do they have to defend the things I like? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that was true for maybe half of it with me as well, yeah. Um, brilliant. What is your favorite album that we've covered on the show so far? Well, the answer to that question is it was the album I would have picked for this episode if it hadn't been picked this season, which is Dogman by King's X, which was just down as my like, I can backdoor this into the show because they'll never cover it. (laughs) And they finally covered it, so I can pick an even more weird album. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. So, yeah, let's move on to that then. So what is the album uh, that you've come on the show to talk about and why, why is it important to you? What does it mean to you? Okay, so the album is Violet by The Birthday Massacre. There's actually an EP called that and an LP called that. I'm talking about the LP, although they're mostly the same. There's just a couple of extra songs on the LP. Um, They're a Canadian band who play music. Um, And basically, I got introduced to the the Birthday Massacre. Um, This was after my Christian time when I was getting back into music and getting back into life, really, and was doing the online dating thing, as -hmm. you do. And I was talking to this girl who ended up being a you know, a girlfriend for a number of years. And at the time I was obviously still doing music pretty heavily. I was actually doing inspired by Jonathan Colton, the song a week thing. And so I was putting out songs every week. Um, it, before you ask, no, as far as I know, they're officially all purged now that MySpace has deleted everything. <laughs> I hope they are. Cause every now and then I go, man, well, maybe I could re- put, put some of these songs out and I listen to them. I'm like, no, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> they're not not that great but i shared some with 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 this with this this woman and she's like wow you're obviously a huge fan of the birthday massacre and i'm like who are the birthday massacre and so bought i'm pretty sure it was this album listened to it and went oh i get that I, i get that lots of guitar but also lots of synth and 
other influences like it's metal, but there's a lot of other stuff coming in and you're not trying to hide it. Because, you know, a lot of metal is trying to be like, no, we are true metal. We are true cult metal. We will not touch anything that might be synth or new wave. Anything or, electronic or mechanical. Yeah. Uh, electronic or anything. It's it's all going to be legitimate, real, true metal. But also we will sample the drums and make sure the <laughs> snare sounds yeah. exactly the same every single time. And then we'll quantize everything so everything's perfectly on, not synth at all. Um, and I listened to this and went, oh, my God this is like really cool. This is what I'm into and have been a fan ever since. Um, and what I like about them is they're a band that's, you know, and someone who's listening to this right now is probably going to scream when I compare them to Slayer and Motorhead in that the birthday massacre are always the birthday massacre. I have all their albums. Um, the last two, they, did as pledge music releases, which is sort of like Kickstarter for bands, except mm. now it's gone out of business because reasons. Oh, has it? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I only just heard about it a, oh, like a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, and it was only, I only really noticed it because I like, you know, they send it out, sent out newsletters every week saying, Hey, get this collection of greatest hits from old band that you know of, or some band you'd never heard of or what have you. But anyway, Every one of their albums is the same thing, in a sense. Like, different songs, but once you've heard even one Birthday Massacre song, you know what you're going to get. Right. It's, and I just, just love it. It's just, like, so in tune with me that I'm just like, yeah, this is great. So you said that this girl heard your stuff and said, oh, you must like this band then. So was what you were recording... Did it sound like this, or was it just the same kind of atmosphere, or what? Um, I think it was just that I had no problem using synths, and extensively, like, I would record riffs and all this. Like, my songs were, you know, metal, they were riff-driven, but I would have no problem layering synth over that, and accentuating, and counter-melodying, and all of that. And also had no problem, like, I'm not going to do it now, because it's 10am, and it's Sunday morning, and I was at work till 10.30 last night. <laughs> and I may have had some red wine after that. So my voice is not in a singing voice, but I would do falsettos. I would do all that, you know. Right. I completely neglect, neglected to mention that at some point I heard Queen and was like, this is also very, very awesome. Like really early on, like mm. about the time I was getting into metal. And I just, Queen was just like, oh yeah, this is just part of this whole spectrum. It's awesome. And yeah, I don't know. Like I'd say these guys are much better at doing it than I am, but it's not, <laughs> it's not, dissimilar in the same way of having guitar and drums and synths and not caring which one is the main thing at any point, just making the song the song. Yeah. Well, and there was a, there was a kind of brief, I mean, th this is from 2004, uh, yep. this album. And in the early 2000s, you know, you'd had the success of uh, Evanescence really yes. kind of, you know, like, I mean, there were more than them, but they were so successful right out of the gate that they really did kind of, one of those bands that just opened the gates to lots and lots of bands of a similar aesthetic. I mean, there's some, I would say that looking at them, there's clearly some Marilyn Manson influence going on oh, yes. as well. Um, but musically, I would put them more in the sort of Evanescence camp. But I quite enjoyed it, yeah. It's, uh, I hadn't listened to anything else. I was going to ask you, does the rest of it, you know, 
Oh, yeah, no, it all sounds <laughs> pretty much the same. Like, and and I mean that in the most like you know ACDC Motorhead like Slayer. Sure, yeah, yeah, thing. right. Yeah, it's a compliment. Just, yeah, they just keep doing their thing, and if you like that thing, great. If you don't like it, cool. That there's other bands for you, right? But it seems that a fair few people do because they're still going, they're still touring. So you know yeah, yeah. they've clearly got their niche, and yeah, why not? You know, if they're I read that they met in art school and, you know, this is, they regard this as a kind of art project as, as much as a band. So if it really is what you're into and you're not just putting it on because it's fashionable, then yeah, why not keep doing it? Yeah. And, and you I know, had it, never it, listened to their stuff before. Like this was the first, uh, I had heard of them, um, because I think a title like the birthday massacre is that jumps out at you, you know, obviously, and had seen their name around before, but hadn't listened to them. And I got a very early '80s vibe off of them, like immediately, and I and that's what really drew me to the album overall. And then I found out they were originally named after a Clyde Barker novel, which I thought was like right in my wheelhouse. So <laughs> the more that I kind of read about them, and the more that I looked at what they've done in the past and that kind of stuff, like the more I kind of really started to dig it. And the album itself just has a very sort of new wave feel to me. Um, it, to me, it's a it's much more uh, pop, I think, with some great metal accents to it, and I and I love that. I, th- I just like to me, it it brought me right back to the early '80s MTV kind of stuff, and I was kind of happy to be immersed in that over the course of 45 minutes. And they, and a lot of their stuff, the way it ebbs and flows, does have a bit of a samey feel to it, but it's a it's kind of this overall atmosphere that they're creating over the course of the album and you just sort of live in it for that time and i really dig that and so i was not surprised at how much i like it but i was i was surprised that i hadn't really dug into them before because it immediately clicked with me well that's kind of why i picked it because i'm like i know people probably have heard their name maybe seen them like on a festival bill or something but it's like this is this weird music that clicks with me so well i have to share it with yeah the thrash it out audience and to sum up the band for anyone who is listening to this and hasn't heard the band yet. Um, they, I've seen them once um, live and their set was building. It was just all, all the hits, at least to me. And I'm like, but they hadn't yet played um, happy birthday, which is my favorite song off this album. And I'm like, okay, we're coming to the end of the show. It's going to be the last song. They're going to play happy birthday. They're going to drop it as the big end of the set song. Instead, they played, I think you're alone. I think we're alone now. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's which, awesome. Yeah. That, yeah. Respect. That, you can imagine them covering it. And it's, yeah. it was absolutely perfect. Yes, and I was like, bow to them. <laughs> uh, uh, no, because uh, uh. seriously, like when I listened to this, I, I got a, a bangles vibe off of this album. I got uh, the cure, like it just like definitely, I could totally see them covering that song and making it work, you know, within their set. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think like, I can like, see the cure more than bangles, but yeah, I get your point. <laughs> like if you took this album and stripped out all the guitars and made all the songs not about murder, it would be a great 80s pop album. <laughs> it's said there's a lot of songs about murder. <laughs> there are, Inclu- and, including Happy Birthday itself, which including Happy Birthday, I read which was actually- originally called The Birthday Massacre. And when yes. they renamed themselves, they took that name and renamed the song Happy Birthday. Yeah. Which is kind of convoluted. It's just this little line. Yeah, well, you know, 
Motorhead have a weird history with their name as well. Like, lots of true, bands, yes. <laughs> lots of bands do that kind of thing where they realize there's 47 bands named this part is redacted or whatever, or something they thought was cool because it was cool, but then everyone decided it was cool and you can't have that many bands with the same name. Yeah, and it, it must be said, change. naming yourself after, you know, a novel by an incredibly success- worldwide best-selling author, probably on one of his best-known novels as well, but you're going to run into, <laughs> you know, yeah. you may not be the first people to think of doing that. <laughs> Be like trying to call yourself Hellraiser or something. It's like, really? Do you really think that nobody else has has thought of that before? You know? <laughs> oh man. So I was going to ask when you saw them live. So you saw them at what at a festival in Australia? You said no, 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 no. This was just uh, just a gig. Uh, oh, sorry, in, right. Uh, and yeah, I actually went online to Setlist FM last night. To say what, what else did they play on that set? And it just says they played a gig. <laughs> and i'm like oh yeah yeah okay it's far enough back that yeah they don't have the set list but it was specifically at the manning bar in november 21st 2008 right oh so not so long after this album then yeah no no this this, like i'd just gotten into them and it was like oh my god they're touring awesome i'm gonna go see them this was back when i was not an old person who didn't go to gigs (laughs) did they play a lot of stuff off this album at the gig Uh, uh, they definitely did. Um, they didn't play Happy Birthday, but I'm pretty sure they played Horror Show, Blue, Video Kids. They might have played Violet. Um, I can't remember. They also played a bunch of stuff off the next album, Walking with Strangers. Right. Um, specifically, yeah. Kill the Lights, Red Stars, Looking Glass. Like um, like Brian, I'd heard of I'd heard the name The Birthday Massacre, but I hadn't heard any of their music. Or so I thought before listening to this album. And then when Happy Birthday came along, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I've definitely heard this before. But I couldn't tell you where. I don't know if it was on a compilation that I might have had, maybe, or if I saw the video on, you know, UK rock TV or something. I'm really not sure, assuming it was a single. Um, but I definitely heard that before. But that was the only one that, that I recognized. Um, the track Happy Birthday was featured in the eighth episode of the first season of The Vampire Diaries, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> definitely was not there where I saw it. That's one of Anthony's <laughs> favorite shows, so yeah. I'm but it definitely, heard it. it definitely makes sense it would be in a show like The Vampire Diaries. Oh, not totally, that yeah. Much. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, absolutely. But no, that is not where I heard it, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I heard, Maybe somebody played it on rock radio one night or something, I don't know. Um, it's 2004. Let me think. Had I moved? Yeah, no, I'd moved up here by then, so I wouldn't. It wouldn't have been in the Metal Hammer offices. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's. Uh, it was just as the minute it came on, I was like, oh, oh, this one I recognise. Um, but yeah, the rest of it I didn't. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, there was a version of this of Happy Birthday on the previous album from 2002. Right. Oh, okay. So, okay. So if it sounds reasonably similar, then it is that is possible that I might have heard it when I was in the Metal Hammer offices or something. This was originally an EP and then basically they sort of got picked up. And so they pumped this up to a a full album by redoing a couple of tracks off the previous album to sort of fill out the runtime. Oh, including Happy Birthday. Oh, well, that was kind of fortuitous then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, So the EP was released independently. Was that it? Uh, I believe so. Right. Yeah, I think oh, you're right. 
yeah, yeah, commercial releases an LP through Metropolis. Of course it's Metropolis. <laughs> yeah, of course it's Metropolis. Are they that still are they still with the, Metropolis? No, no, they, they like the last two albums were independent through Pledge Music and I don't oh, no, know what they're right. doing now moving said, forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everything other than those ones was through Metropolis. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that makes sense. Um uh the what are they called? God almighty, I'm my mind at the moment. I tell you, I listened back to the uh, previous episode and like this cold clearly got in my head worse than I thought because I listened back to a couple of things and I was like, <laughs> that sentence makes no sense whatsoever. You got, you can't do that to yourself, man. You just got to just plow ahead. I was like, what am I even trying to say there? Anyway, Project Records is what I was trying to think of. Uh, run by uh, Sam Rosenthal, the uh, main guy of Black Tape for a Blue Girl. Um, I, I know him a little and uh, he's, you know, he said that Project's time was you know and not that long ago 10 years ago that he could put out a project album and pretty much guarantee because of their core audience you know that it would sell like you know 5,000 copies uh now you know if it sells 500 he's doing cartwheels um Hmm. that's the state of the industry at the moment it's yeah it's pretty bad and I, I only mentioned them because obviously projects and metropolis kind of you know metropolis made a bigger operation but it is that same sort of you know, techno gothic, uh, techno ambient stuff. You know, lots of the same uh, audience. And yeah, for that kind of niche music, um, there isn't breakout like huge Metallica level stuff. It is really difficult to shift units these days. Really difficult. Yeah. Well, if, if, if there is a parallel universe where I don't have a goatee, and we're talking about mindless self indulgence instead of the Birthday Massacre, which is another <laughs> Metropolis band that I also got into through that that same girlfriend um and she was much more into them whereas i was more into birthday massacre but right <laughs> no cool i mean no brilliant um thank you for as i say like you know i'd heard the name like brian but never you know, never heard a full album anyway so thank you for sort of recommending it because if nothing else i shall uh, continue to i'll keep this you know uh in the playlist as it were um Oh, I'll definitely be digging into some of their other stuff. Like uh, there, there's some, there were some great tracks on this album. Like I love Nevermind, the closing track. That's probably yeah, my like favorite track well. on the yeah. album. Um, and that's where I got it. it. Was kind of a strong Bengals vibe in, uh, in, in part of that song. But I just, I, I feel like they, and looking at their ages, they're not, they're like early forties, and so they're not far away from where I am. And so I feel like a lot of those influences that they're sort of bringing with. And I think I pulled up an interview and I think she said, Chibi, the lead singer, she said, uh, my favorite bands are Concrete Blonde, Faith No More, Typo Negative, and The Mamas and the Papas. Now, yeah, I can see all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can see all of it, right? Um, she also has a tattoo of Ramona Quimby, which I think is just so awesome um, from Beverly Cleary. So I'm, I'm a big fan already just from what I've learned about her so far. And she released like a horror novel a few years ago um, that is about two metalheads, um, one of which I think becomes a killer. I haven't read it yet, but it I've got it on my to-read list now. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Mm. I, I agree, actually. Never mind. I think Nevermind is musically one of the most interesting tracks on the album. I think that's what I like about it is that, uh, you know, as as Dan says, the, the, you've heard one track, you can kind of guess, you know, the, the aesthetic, if you like, of the rest of them. 
But that last track, I don't know, it just feels like they put a bit of extra effort into the arrangement of it. It's I feel like they flipped the script stuff. on it, right? Because in the other ones, it kind of leads with atmosphere and it leads with that sort of dreamy synth kind of vibe. And in this song, it leads with more kind of like a pop punk sort of thing and then brings the atmosphere in more from the chorus. And so mm. I almost feel like the it, it sort of flips the dynamic that you've had for most of the album. Yeah. yeah. What, what, I, what I like about Nevermind, it, it feels very wistful. Like yeah. it's almost like it's reminiscing over the rest of the album. So every time I hear it, and then it finishes. I'm like, well, let's back back to track one. Let's yeah. start again. Let's just go back <laughs> through. Mark of a great closing track, right? Yeah, yeah. No, and that's what we always say, isn't it? Yeah, if the last track makes you want to go back to the start and listen again, it's uh, it's done its job. Fantastic. All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on uh, and chatting to us. Where can people find you online? Your handle is generally Frozen Summers. Is that right? Yeah. I, it, Frozen Summers or everywhere except Instagram where I'm the real Frozen Summers. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <that> was... <laughs> no, no. So what I think happened with that is I think I may have taken the username but forgotten the password and it's not linked to a current email address. And so when I finally actually started using Instagram, this happens a lot, but I finally started using Instagram. I was like, Oh, I'll just sign up because no one else uses this name. It's a really weird joke involving my last name. And also it's a political statement about climate change in that we'll never have frozen summers anymore. Not that we ever did in Australia because it's always summer here and it just keeps getting worse. Um, but yeah, so th it, I can't get that. So I got the real frozen summers. Um, Frozensummers.com will take you to my YouTube channel where I do YouTube stuff. I have a... A review show where I mostly review uh, beverages, specifically adult beverages. Although I did the last episode I released was a kombucha episode, um, and I've got a new show starting on there soon, which is me talking about myself. Um, if you like me talking, you know it's going to be more of that. But yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm everywhere, and I look like me. If you see my profile picture anywhere, it's going to be the same, except I change it like every month, so <laughs> it's hard to keep track of. But I'm me everywhere. No one else uses. I love that there are summer. two frozen summers on Instagram, and they're both you. I yeah, think that's the other great. One's that's me. pretty great. That, I'm pretty sure you should start to pit them against one <laughs> one another, and that could just be its own. You really get a lot of traction with that story. Oh man, yeah, like WWF or something. Sorry, WWE. Yeah. These or like days, one of it? you is, try, is from the future trying to warn the other, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. All right. On that note, uh, let us bring things to a close. Uh, thank you to everyone out there for listening. Uh, remember, if you enjoy the show, uh, please do spread the word. Rate us on iTunes, Google Play, all of that. Uh, if you want to support the show and be in with the chance of getting your own backstage pass, you can go to patreon.com slash thrash it out and make your pledge today. If you want to get in touch, go to thrashitoutpodcast.com for links to uh, the show email and our Twitter accounts. And of course, you can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash thrash it out. That is all for now. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye, Dan. See you.